Lowe's knows you'll do it right to find the right gifts for dad this Father's Day. We do it right, too, with deals that'll make dad as proud as his perfectly seared steak and his perfectly manicured lawn. Now get a Charbroil 4-Burner Advantage Series gas grill for just $169 and pick up your choice of Craftsman gas or electric string trimmer for only $99 each. Make this Father's Day his best one yet and do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Charbroil offer valid through 612, Craftsman offer valid through 619, U.S. only. Roto-Grinders presents the Daily Fantasy Fix Podcast. Dan Bach talks to the biggest personalities in DFS, delivers commentary on the industry's most important topics, and gives you the advice you need to help build winning lineups. Both the salary and the matchup are just too good. If you are not playing him in your head-to-head games, you are just going to lose. You didn't really think we were going to get rid of that, did you? Here's your host, the one and only, Dan Bach. Hey everyone, welcome. Roto Grinders Daily Fantasy Fix podcast for you here. And doing a little special edition pod for you this week. Because of course, the NCAA tournament's coming up this weekend. And uh, you want to win your bracket pool. I know I do. I'm in about five of them. And I haven't had, been having the luck that, uh, well, I certainly would have hoped for. So I'm going to be relying on some friends this year to hopefully give me the tips to put me over the edge. So I thought I'd bring them into the loop with you guys today. And lucky enough to sit down with the guys over at TeamRankings.com. We've got Tom Federico, David Hess. Uh, Tom, David, welcome to the podcast. Good to chat. How are you guys? Good, Dan. Thanks for having us on, man. Yeah, pretty good, except for... Three hours of sleep. <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, you know, I would normally feel sorry for you, but uh, you put yourself into this. When you get into the bracket business, there is one week a year where you're not going to have a lot of sleep, and, and this is certainly it. And uh, the one thing that you guys, or one of the things that you guys have really going well for you over at Team Rankings, Tom, is uh, bracket pools. And, you know, not just saying these are the picks that we like, which obviously is part of it, but... I love what you guys are doing in terms of maybe like a corollary to DFS about looking a little bit further, not just in terms of who you are picking, but who your opponents are picking. So uh, before we kind of d- jump into that, give me the little backstory on team rankings, how long you guys been around and and uh, and doing stuff around brackets and, and sports betting in general. Yeah, so I'll, tr- I'll try to keep it brief. We're we're a dinosaur in uh, in in the internet world, at least as well. Our we our site launched in uh, in 1999, uh, and so it's uh, it's something that transformed basically from a hobby into a business over time. And and when it comes to bracket pools, you know, we were we were geeks, we were nerds, engineers, you know, math guys, and and we were applying concepts to bracket pools that um, you know probably become pretty familiar right now to, like you said, in the DSS DFS world, excuse me. Uh, you know, stuff like game theory and looking at percentage ownership of players. We were doing the same thing for for bracket pools and and looking at you know popularity of teams and also math that up with the best predictions and um, you know we were doing really well we were we were winning personal bracket pools much more often than you would expect and so um, you know the light bulb went off and we thought hey this is a big deal why don't we try to productize this and 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 you know here we are today 
almost 15 years later. So um, we did our first kind of premium product for bracket pools back in 2004. Um, so our, our algorithms and our technology have essentially been evolving since then. And now we're at the point where, you know, we've got a server farm of 18 computers at amazon.com that just runs 24 seven all night and all day, starting selection Sunday, crunching all the numbers and, and helping us figure out what the best bracket is for your pool. Yeah, David, what kind of background do you have in this? I mean, uh, you met, are you uh, like, is this straight, like, were you kind of the out of the analytics world? Were you out of the sports betting world? Were you a little bit of both? Um, where does your background come from? Yeah, I'm, I'm more a uh, sports analytic background. I mean, not in, in like my education, but in how I got involved with team rankings. I, I went to school for neuroscience, but I've just been a huge sports um, statistics fan my whole life. And, you know, as a kid, I would sit in the in the office with my dad's computer and mess around with stats all day and stuff like that so i i uh that's that's my background is sports stats and i've gotten more into office pools and and gambling and prediction and and, and stuff since i started working for team rankings about well, it's been a while now. Seven years, I think. Wow. Really? Seven? David bets on everything, Dan, by the way. He just, there's not. There's nothing. As long as there's a spreadsheet available to do analysis, David is going to consider betting on it. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'd rather be getting my advice from a neuroscience guy than maybe like Bruno or something around the corner. So uh, you you went in the right direction there in terms of finding uh, the, the, the right guys to kind of put the numbers together. And... Uh, yeah, I alluded to it in the in the opening, um, talking about you know the game theory around it, and and that's something that, you know, when when DFS first started, people overlooked it. Now, you know, we've got an entire projected ownership on every single player who plays every single night because it's become that important. Um, how have those elements in DFS kind of translate to? you know, the, the, the office pool that people are playing in, in terms of, uh, you know, selecting their teams. Well, I mean, the, the format of the, the contest is obviously a little different, right? And you're not like salary yeah. cap DFS, obviously it's players, not teams. And, um, you know, it's, it's a smaller number of events typically go, you know, you're, you've got a certain number of players on your team. They're playing one game that night and, you know, the, the outcomes are going to determine of those, that small number of games are going to determine, uh, you know, what happens. And obviously, you know, now you've got an NCAA tournament bracket where the scoring system is different and it's played out in rounds and. Um, you know, there's 67 in, you know, inter, in, interdependent decisions you need to make in terms of picking all the winners in the bracket. Um, so, you know, the complexity I would argue is, is higher. Well, in some ways, maybe not obviously in DFS, you've got a larger pool of potential players to pick from in, in the bracket. You've got a sort of a fixed group of, of these 68 teams, but you know, that being said, the, the the analog in terms of what we do to kind of the tools that are available in DFS is it's extremely similar. I mean, you're looking at, you know, DFS tools that are pulling percentage ownerships of players and then letting you, you know, generate kind of portfolios of lineups that you're going to play in big GPPs and stuff like that. Our product does exactly the same thing for bracket pools where, um, you know, we're going out and pulling 
all the public picking trends data from sites like ESPN and Yahoo and the big national bracket platforms. Um, you know, we're gathering predictions from multiple top algorithmic models and the betting markets to, to form our ratings on teams and then doing just millions of simulations um, that are taking into account the scoring system of your pool and, uh, and the size of your pool and other factors um, and essentially putting all that data together and coming up with, you know, an optimal, well, the optimal bracket for kind of your, your pool size and scoring system. And then a series of alternative brackets that you can play along with that optimal bracket as a portfolio. Yeah, I think it's funny, optimal bracket. It's weird to hear such thing because we always talk about like optimal lineups or quote unquote cash game lineups. I mean, David, talk about this, the difference in size because I think that's the fascinating thing about bracket pools is you might be playing with 12 of your buddies that you grew up with and you run this pool every year or you could be entering you know, one of these uh, you know, ESPN-type pools where you're going against a million different people. Um, now, obviously, yeah, you, you there's a lot of variance in the million-dollar one. There's no question about it. You need to <laughs> be nearly perfect there. But there is definitely a spread in between where, you know, if you're in a high-stakes 100-man versus a, a lower-stakes, you know, 20-man contest, I'm guessing maybe even the approach on those could be a little bit different. Yeah, actually, you mentioned a cash game versus a big tournament. That's a great analogy. Like, the little, small, 10-person bracket pools are... <clears throat> Yeah, they're they're places where you want to go conservative, you want to go high ceiling. I mean, sorry, high floor. You want to not take too many risks and just make sure that you're up there with a good solid score. And you know, if you're playing with your friends in the office, a good solid score is going to get you in the money most of the time. Like you said, if you're playing with some higher stakes people, you probably need to to do more than just pick all the favorites, right? You yeah. need to find a couple of undervalued plays in there that that you think you can find that other people can't find but yeah and then if you're in a huge bracket pool um i guess the analogy uh instead of finding uh, it depends on your scoring system obviously but in the standard scoring system of of uh one two four you know doubling every time uh, if you're in a huge tournament you you basically you need to find that undervalued late round play that that hopefully not many other people are picking that if you hit on is going to narrow the field tremendously for you. And if it's a big enough pool, you'll probably need to throw in some other, um, you know, undervalued plays in in other parts of the bracket and hit on all of them in order to have a chance to win. So, but, so Tom, uh, he brings up a good point about scoring systems because that's another thing that's really unique to NCAA tournaments. Um, I mean, I think I play in a scoring system where you get your, your points f- per you know, whatever seed, like if your seed wins, you get that X number of points. Um, is that kind of discussed? Because, I mean, you guys obviously have numbers in here, but you also have a lot of written columns as well. Is there any tailoring to scoring systems, or do you guys talk about unique scoring systems as, you know, uh, and, and how to approach them differently? Because uh, I know, like, that's the fun thing about, you know, some of these bracket pools. They're not all the same. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's a huge scoring system, as David said, is a huge part of it. And I'll probably let him explain some more of the details. But the short answer is, uh, you know, we we don't produce as much content as Grinders does in terms of kind of podcasts and sort of, you know, uh, articles and, and things like that. We try to just actually bake the majority of all the intelligence like directly into the product. We're very engineering focused as a company. Right. So, uh, you know, it. 
I mean, the short answer is like, you know, given the inputs of a scoring system and an expected profile of how your opponents are going to pick um, and the size of your pool, there, you know, that we can do the math to come up with what we feel is the optimal bracket. Um, and and so that's all kind of boiled into the product. When you when you come to our site, you actually set up your pool. We ask you some questions about your scoring system that's and cool. things like that. And, you know, what we found, I mean, just to, to share some kind of examples. So, you know, upset picking bonuses are really popular and they're you know, along the lines of what you were saying, you know, like, or if it's seed driven, which we also support, um, you know, you're, you're obviously increasing the reward, um, you know, for taking a, um, you know, more of a long shot type pick, obviously, and, and making more of those picks. And, um, you know, almost universally, it's kind of funny what we, what we find when we kind of run all these simulations, because, in smaller pools with the traditional scoring system, as David said, one, two, four, eight, 16, 32, um, you know, the, it's all, you know, most often the case that people, your average sort of casual bracket picker plays it way too aggressively and, you know, is always kind of obsessed with, oh, what are the upsets I'm going to pick? And mm-hmm. uh, when in reality, like, you know, oftentimes your best strategy in these smaller pools is to just kind of let your opponent shoot themselves in the foot and it's a war of attrition and you just kind of pick mostly favorites and you come out on the end, of, you know, at the, on top at the end. But then when you look at the upset bonus pools, like, and so we will often get complaints for like our small pool brackets, like, oh, this is way too chalky, right? Like, where are the upsets? And it's just mm-hmm. like, you know, the data does not play it out, right? This is this is the one that actually gives you a better chance to win. And and the, with our upset bonus pools, it's often time to reverse where, you know, all the research we've done shows that people are, are most often, when they're in upset bonus pools, not nearly as aggressive enough. And, you know, understanding the huge benefits that can, you know, accrue if you pick like, you know, a 20% winner, but get like tons and tons of points if they win or, or, you know, yeah. win two games, win two games to make the sweet 16. So, you know, people look at like our optimal bracket for some of these upset bonus pools and they just can't believe it. Like you're picking this 13 seed, like two or three 13 seeds to make the sweet 16. And it's like, yeah, you know, we're not expecting two or three of those seeds to make this, you know, those teams to make the sweet 16. But in terms of, you know, the overall kind of risk reward kind of where it stands on the, the, the spectrum of risk versus reward. Like these are the types of plays you need to be making in a scoring system like this. We're talking with Tom Federico, David Hess of team rankings.com. And I mean, you just nailed it. Like there's so many biases that people run into when they're building, you know, their brackets and they don't think about these things. And if you kind of, and and I think that's the cool thing too, David, I mean, you guys simulate, you know, millions of times over um, and you've got a ridiculous amount of data that goes into those simulations. And, and even if you say to yourself, you know, I'm taking Duke to win it all. I think they're the team that's going to win it all. You can almost tailor some of these quote unquote optimal brackets, I would assume to some of the players, or some of, you could tell them in DFS world, and some of the teams that you know you are just in love with, and you can still do your own, but also look at you know maybe a more optimal way in terms of games that you're either undecided on or you know uh, what a better build is for your you know your your particular contest. I like the meshing of two things when you can add your own elements to what maybe the computer spits out as is an optimal way to do it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the things I like to do is um, I play in, obviously I like the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I play in a lot of pools. I, I probably end up with, you know, 30 brackets across all my I, my pools. And, and I love 
going in and looking at custom brackets for a whole bunch of different scoring systems and finding one that has that team. I'm like, oh, I just really want to pick, you know, Kentucky to win. So I find a bracket that we've that we've optimized that has Kentucky in the final winning the whole thing and I, and I enter that in a pool and I know that like because that bracket has a very risky pick in the final it will have been optimized around the rest of the the picks to maybe have lower risk in the rest of the bracket if it's only you know, only a medium-sized pool and you don't want to go too crazy or or even um you know I was, I was doing a write-up today about uh how your championship pick actually affects uh there was a team that, that was a good undervalued championship pick, it seemed like. But then, because it was so risky, you needed to go conservative in the final. But then if you go conservative in the final on the other side of the bracket, it turns out that team, for whatever quirk of... of I, I don't know why it's happening, but but people are picking that team to lose in the final really often. So it actually ends up like counteracting this undervalued pick that you you make in, in the championship game. And there's no way to like pick this team... That's your undervalued championship pick, and then still go conservative in the other half without like <laughs> getting rid of all the value. So it's something that I would never be able to come up with on my own if the computer, if the simulations hadn't shown me this bracket and made me dig into it and figure out why it's why it's happening like that. Well, it's, per, it's Purdue, Dan. It, it, well, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, get, we'll give away some of the farm, but if you're inter- if you think Purdue is a good undervalued pick. <laughs> To uh, to be NCAA champion, you're not necessarily wrong, but you should read the write up. <laughs> uh, I like it. I like it. There's more to it than just just you know th- thinking that they're undervalued. You plug them in there. I uh, I'm into they, that. They, well, they are an undervalued champion pick. No one, no one. We're not that. They're they they're anyone looking at, for example, I don't know if we want to transition to picks here, but yeah. anyone looking at uh, you know kind of undervalued picks in this year's bracket. If, I mean, if Purdue doesn't float to the top of the list kind of immediately for you, uh, you need to reconsider. But then the question, like David said, is um, you know what. Well, I'll go off on a little tangent here. It's just been it's been very interesting seeing how this whole concept of value based picking has kind of evolved, right? Like ten years ago, we were the only people doing this, and not no one even understood what the concept of a value pick in a bracket pool even meant. Okay, over oversimplification. Some people, David did, uh, but uh, you know, some people did. The general public didn't. Now, you know, fantasy DFS has gotten so popular, and this whole concept of value picking has become you know more well known, and people who are doing it and fantasy have now realized oh how do i apply this to my bracket and you're seeing more articles coming out from all sorts of different people saying oh who are the value picks in these in the in uh in this year's bracket but you know it, it's it's more complicated than that right there's just so many other decisions and and sort of you know scoring chances in the bracket that um you know just because like even you know you might start out by saying hey it might not be in your best interest to pick the most likely team to win the NCAA tournament as your bracket champion. Oh yeah, because they might be overpicked. People get that. But then you know the next level level up is well, who's the most, you know, who's the most undervalued team then? Maybe I should pick them. And the reality is like that's not even necessarily, you know, sort of the home run solution. There's there's more complexity and nuance beyond that just because there's so many other kind of decision nodes in the bracket that come into play that even just, you know, it's not as simple as just saying, hey, who are the most undervalued teams and I should pick one of them as my champion. Uh, and, and David, what kind of goes into that thought process of, of what you categorize as undervalued? Is it straight like odds versus... Um, 
the percentage, percentage that people are picking them, or are you you know digging into um, like does your own formula like work into that as well? I mean, or is it just as simple as odds versus pick percentage? I mean, it's it's odds versus pick percentage, but but by odds, I'm I'm talking about the uh, you know the advancement odds that we make sure. on our own. I, we don't just take the odds you know from from the betting markets and use them. And gotcha. so at the point where I'm comparing odds and pick percentage, you know, we've done a lot of analysis on you know team lineup changes and missing players and game location and all that stuff. So. So once I'm looking at over and under value teams, I, I've already condensed all my analysis into a number, and then I'm just looking at the number. And I'm not, at that point, worrying about how that number was created because I just have confidence in my earlier steps, you know? Yeah, and, and but what, what, what kind of a spread do you need between those two to kind of quantify, you think, as a, as a top value pick? Um, I mean, it, it definitely changes all, every year, and depending on what round you're looking at, and like this year, uh, there, there's really no, there's no team that's got a huge gap between their odds to win the tournament and their their pick percentage. I think the largest raw difference that we have is Purdue, which we have at about six and a half percent to win and picked by three percent of the public and what, what, what you know, give me, a, let, let's let's do a first round one because i think that okay, might sure. be that might there might be a larger spread there and yeah and i and let's face it everybody loves to pick an upset or something here in the first round so let, let's let's find a a spot that kind of falls under this category for first round picks sure so there's uh it looks like the biggest value just in terms of raw difference that we have here is uh, the St. Bonaventure UCLA play-in winner um, against Florida. We have them about one-third chance to win, and they're being picked by 16% of the public. So that's a 17% difference. That's that's on the small side for for the largest difference in the first round compared to past years. Uh, looking at the bracket this year, the, the committee got a lot of flack for, for the bubble teams and who got in and out, but in terms of... of uh, seeding i don't think they made that many egregious mistakes this year like there there there's like last year i think uh wichita state was an 11 seed and was favored in the first round right there's nothing mm-hmm. along those lines this year there's a, there's less value to be found in the in the first round this year it's going to be a little bit tougher to to differentiate differentiate yourself with first round picks i'm so, just you know, curious this, i'm curious on this front and you would know sure. because you do this guy. You guys have done this forever. But uh, since they started the playing game, is the play-in winner like? Are they always? You know, and you're always talking about the 11 seed, not the 16. But are they? Are they always like the lowest pick percentage though? Because I can't imagine that many people, especially people who are doing brackets ahead of time, are willing to take a team that they don't even know to go multiple rounds. I mean, in my mind, just from a, you know, the same way in DFS where if somebody has an injury designation next to their name, mm-hmm. people are afraid to take them. Does that apply or is this just a false narrative in my mind? Um, you know, I don't have the exact data in front of me, but I, I think you're correct. They're usually lower. Like this year, um, they're definitely the two lowest uh, 11 seed picks are the, the play-in winner slots. Um, and it's it's definitely been the case some in the past, um, but I mean that's counteracted by generally those teams being slightly worse. I mean they, I know the committee isn't great, but they in general the lower seeds are slightly 
slightly worse. Teams in the play-in game have been slightly worse. Um, but yeah, we're not really... That, that's interesting that you mentioned the bias of not wanting to pick the game because of the uncertainty. <laughs> we we end up... Uh, that's a thing that we can exploit, right? Like, like yeah. we just talked about, there's a lot of value there uh, because people don't know who the winner is. But but if you think about it, the winner's probably the better team there. <laughs> I mean, you know, the the worst team can win sometimes. Obviously, upsets happen, but but you're probably getting the better team, or you're getting a team that's almost as as good as the other team when you take the winner there. And you, you shouldn't really have that bias against them unless you're making picks by, you know, looking at a specific player or something and being like, oh, I really think that this guy could make a run if he makes it past the first round, that kind of thing. But but when we treat him as just one entity that's the average projection of these two other teams, then it it allows us to look past that bias and just look at the numbers and make picks based on that instead of being scared of, well, what if the team that I want to win doesn't win? Well, that's already baked into it. So, Well, I, I got one, other, one last team I need to talk about because they're really a lightning rod on whether they should have gotten in or, at all, and that's Oklahoma here against Rhode Island. Um, they come in at at two-point underdogs. Um, it's funny because this is another one where I feel like there's been so much vitriol by the talking heads on TV about how undeserving Oklahoma is to be in this tournament. And admittedly, they've won like two games in, since January, so I, I get it, and I don't disagree with that. Um, but what kind of vibes are you getting in terms of the numbers regarding this matchup for them? against Rhode Island, who is, like I said, favored in this one. Just curious your thoughts on that game. Uh, you know, we're pretty in line with the market on that one. Um, we, ha- we have this tool um, that allows me to look at uh, something that we call the game score for every every game, which mm-hmm. is just basically margin of victory adjusted for opponent and game location. So you can compare like subsets of games for a team um, and see if they've been playing better or worse you know, context adjusted, right? So you, um, I, I use it a lot to look at how a team plays with and without players that have been injured and seeing how that impacts the team. And um, so for Rhode Island, uh, Matthews missed some games. Um, and so they're, they're a little bit better than their raw rating, but it, I think, so I think EC Matthews is a name that people that follow college basketball kind of are familiar with because he's been in the tournament before. He's kind of the star for them. And they probably think that him being out maybe had a bitter, bigger effect than it did. Uh, but, I mean, it, it's a small effect, but we still have them around a, a... looks like they should be an eight, according to our numbers, and they're actually a seven. Um, and Oklahoma, I mean, you know the narrative there. They They've been slumping for months now (laughs) and that's true if you look at the numbers they have been playing worse i like they they grade in around a 10 or 11 seed i think they're fairly seeded based on skill i think if you'd look at resumes resumes maybe they shouldn't have made it but but given the teams that are in the tournament they're seeded fine and and our our numbers kind of agree with the market there we have a looks like uh looks like i have it as 1.8 point edge to rhode island Based on the the raw numbers, so it's pretty. Ah, pretty... So Vegas is they're they're right on this one for once. Jeez, look at that! Um, I'll be curious to see how <laughs> they're, that. They're usually pretty good at being pretty right. Yeah, they're they're pretty <laughs> good. They're pretty good. You're right. <laughs> what am I saying for once? They're. It's just it's interesting to I, I, you know I'm a as a DFS guy. 
you know, obviously we're numbers driven, but there's also some narratives. And there's one sport where I feel it crops itself up more so than others, and, and that can be basketball, uh, just because, you know, the players can have so much influence. If, you know, Trey Young just goes absolutely bonkers mm-hmm. in a game, that can totally change everything. And it's the me versus the world mentality. If Lon Kruger, had, and he's actually, he's not a bad tournament coach if memory serves me correctly as well. So I'm calling the Oklahoma upset, but again, I've got to I got to dig into the numbers, and that's what I'm going to do uh, over at TeamRankings.com, and and I hope other people check them out too because uh, I'll tell you what, just tons and tons of great data. I, I talked to these guys before we jumped on today and said I used you guys for all the college football or college football data you had because it was easy, it was accessible, it was free, and uh, and now that you guys are doing this, you know, pools, this NCAA pools, it's good to be back on your site and and check it out. Um, uh, I guess best way for people to check it to to get into it, Tom. We're doing teamrankings.com slash grinders. And what's a package kind of include here for the NCAA tournament? Because obviously there's a lot of competitive guys here on RG who are listening to this podcast. So what exactly are they kind of getting uh, in a package with you guys? Sure. Yeah. So our basically our standard bracket package costs thirty nine dollars and uh, it includes basically a suite of um, not only customized brackets for your pools, but also a bunch of analysis tools that we've created. So, you know, the, the crux of the product is our, our bracket optimizer effectively. So, you know, like, like I said, you come in, um, $39 covers an unlimited number of, of bracket pools. You can put in two pools, you can put in 50. Um, and then, you know, you enter some details about your pools and it will spit out that, kind of optimized portfolio of brackets, including the best bracket for your pool. But in addition to that, we've got a couple other really cool tools that are included. There's a feature called the data grid, which is effectively a a value finding tool. It's where we put all of our public picking data in there, as well as all of our round by round projections. So at the click of a button, we've got some cool filters in there where you can just literally click a button and it'll show you all the most undervalued first round picks or something like that, or, you know, all the sleeper picks to make the final four, uh, based on seed and odds and stuff like that. So, um, that's, that's probably one of our most popular features. And then, you know, in terms of data, I, our matchup predictor um, where you can just select any two teams um, and see predictions and stats for them is as comprehensive as, as anything I've seen out there. Uh, We've got uh, five or six different algorithmic models that will show in terms of predicting any possible matchup between two tournament teams. And we'll also show, you know, if there's a spread and Vegas odds out for the game, we're showing those. Um, and a whole bunch of of matchup stats and tournament history and head to head stats for teams, similar opponent, you know, um, records against similar performance against similar opponents this year. Um, and uh, and lastly, we have a Q and A forum too, where you can come and kind of ask questions and um, and get uh, get if you have any sort of specific, you know kind of particular type of wrinkle with your pool you're curious to hear about. We can. We're busy, but we can try to weigh in quickly on it. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And uh, and I know you got one write up, your early write up done. And uh, I'm sure, David, probably yeah, is it you? I mean, I'm sure it's a tandem thing here. But uh, this last second write up, um, right before the the games get started, when do when does that roll out for you? Yeah, that'll be coming out uh, 
Wednesday night, I think. Is that right? According to the release schedule, Tom? Yeah, that would be good to clarify. So we actually, we do two releases of brackets this week. So, uh, cause there are some people who have early pick submission deadlines and they need to get their brackets in, you know, let's say by Tuesday or something like that. Those so, masochists, like who does that? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, yeah. So we, we have Just for we the have, half point in those games. <laughs> On Monday, so we ju- we released it at about uh, six thirty or so Eastern time um, today. Monday is we 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 run the numbers all Sunday night after they announce the bracket, and then we get our our early deadline brackets. We call them out on Monday afternoon. So those are out. You can come to the site. You can get customized picks for your for your pools uh, if you need to get them in early. And then you know we we continue analyzing and collecting data. Also obviously you know you guys know from DFS, you know, there's there, there's nothing gained if your pick submission deadline is Thursday and uh, you know from submitting before Thursday. I mean we're waiting <laughs> to see if a player is going to get injured or suspended or whatever up to the latest possible minute. And so we do our final bracket release or sort of official brackets for 2018, you know, later in the night on Wednesday, I think it'll be around like, uh, it might be 9 PM Eastern or something like that. And so, um, that's kind of when that's when the official set in stone brackets are, are released, but you can get the early deadline brackets now and get a sense of, you know, usually they don't, they don't change too much unless there's a big change in betting odds or someone gets in, you know, someone gets injured, something like that. Um, you can get the early deadline brackets now. All right, there is uh, Tom Federico, David Hess, TeamRankings.com. Make sure you check them out, TeamRankings.com slash Grinders, 39 bucks, and uh, check out this NCAA pool package. Uh, these guys clearly know what they're doing and hopefully help you win some giblets, as we like to say in the world <laughs> of DFS, uh, this NCAA tournament time. Uh, hey, great chatting, guys. Uh, I'll be using your service undoubtedly this year, and uh, hopefully uh, looking forward to, to big things. So thanks again for your time, and, and good luck this, uh, this tournament season. Get some sleep uh, next week. Yeah, next week is right. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Right now, you can get both Sprint's Unlimited plan and the iPhone XR with its amazing camera included for just $35 per month per line for five lines. All you need is approved credit and 24-month installment billing. No trade-in required. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Phone $15 a month after monthly credit supplied within two bills. If canceled early, remaining balance due. Unlimited basic after 63020, pay $32 a month per line with auto pay. Data deprioritization during congestion. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply.